Greetings, heroes of the internet. I'm Travis. And I'm Nathan. And we are the Henshin Men, a podcast that celebrates Japanese superheroes and their high-flying and high-kicking adventures. In this installment, we will be discussing Kamen Rider episodes 20 and 21. The fire-breathing caterpillar monster, Dokugander! Kyo Fuku Kemushi Kaijin Dokuganda! Tobei and the Rider Girls visit a village and are captured by the larva form of a poison moth monster! So, Travis, I think Bee Woman has a brother. <laughs> so instead of spiral bra, we have just what, like, uh, like six nipples. <laughs> I was gonna say, do we, do we need to talk about caterpillar nipples? I mean, I mean you got You're already associated with yeti nipples. Now we have. Now we're gonna be associated with caterpillar nipples, aren't we? <laughs> I mean, I can't help it. They're supposed to be legs for the for the caterpillar, but when he stands up, they really do look like just two lines of very erect nipples. <laughs> <laughs> Why would they do that? Uh, what's he get? Is he? Can he actually kind of crawl around on his belly? I mean, if he's got ridiculous abs i'm just saying that's some crazy core strength there but it would be really impractical because oh why <laughs> oh yeah and good godzilla this thing it's okay it's not quite as gaudy as b woman but it's competing <laughs> it's got this scheme and everything and i can't figure out what name to use with this thing because once again the subtitles and the episode listing and even the characters in the show can't agree on what to name this thing because it's either Dokugander or Mothdar. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, uh, yeah, I'm not sure because they do, like you said, they switch back and forth in the episode. Uh, the, uh, the title that I was looking at online listed as Dokugander, but then yeah even in the subtitles for the shout factory release of this they 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 use mothdar so i'm not i'm really not sure anymore i i i think moving forward we're just going to have to accept that some of these monsters have multiple names and we're just going to have to just go with it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to. Although I could at least justify this one and say perhaps Dokugander is for this form and then Mothdar is more applicable to the next episode. Spoiler warning. This is sort of a two-parter. Right. Sort of. 
Yeah, well, no, I mean, it it is. And and one of the things I really like about this is we haven't had a monster or cyborg or whatever they are in the in this (laughs) the series. Um, We haven't had one that's that's like transformed its appearance in any way since probably what cobra man cobra man did a little bit not much but he did change yeah, his that was more of a those were more like post-mortem upgrades <laughs> right yeah but this is the first time we've had one of these uh kaijin that have have actually changed its appearance and and i like that i think that's a, a neat thing and of course because of it being a a butterfly moth type monster it makes sense so that's something that the these episodes really have going for it um i do want to say i mean it's a kids show i know that there i mean it's it's it runs on scooby-doo logic but the fact that the writer team always conveniently shows up in the places where the monsters are (laughs) even when they're out in the middle of nowhere (laughs) (laughs) There are, are they the luckiest or unluckiest people in the world? I don't know. <laughs> or is there some kind of like writer sixth sense that Hayato has and he's just like leading them in those directions? <laughs> it's a writer sense? My writer sense is tinky. Shocker is that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so so we we had a, a quick plot breakdown but but really what what happens is so the you have the writer team that shows up at this village up in the mountains and they find out that everyone in the village is leaving because most of the people there have already disappeared and there's stories of this giant caterpillar that is eating people or killing people and so they're going to investigate at least the girls are going to investigate what's going on. It's almost like before we went on the air, you and I were talking about cryptids. It's almost like, Oh, we're just going to go investigate some cryptids. And you would think that in a universe like this, everyone would take cryptid sightings very, very seriously because most likely a shocker monster. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's what happens. They run into a random top hat guy. <laughs> In my notes, I wrote down, oh, what? Tuxedo mask with a top hat? Wow, shocker got classy. <laughs> Shout out to my friend, Beck. <laughs> she loves Sailor Moon, so I got to throw that in there for her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I called him the Babadook. I-, I said the girls were kidnapped by the Babadook. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good one, too. (laughs) Uh, He's... Spoiler warning, everybody. That is actually Dokugander, Mothman, Mothdar, whatever you want to call him. So I've had to conclude that apparently all Shocker Kaijin can shapeshift now, inexplicably. However, I will say we've been complaining a little bit about the magic masks that people have been wearing Mm -hmm. that they peel off. Mission Impossible style and okay, but this one, actually, I think they did a pretty good job with it because you have this scene where Doku Gonder as Top Hat Man takes the hat off and it's this little camera trick with uh, clever editing where as he brings the hat down, his face changes. And I thought that was actually pretty cool and very Undertaker-esque. 
There. It gave you a little bonus one there from a couple weeks ago, Heroes. Okay, come on. <laughs> it's been... We've had so many episodes in between there. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I couldn't resist. But anyway, so I, I actually did really like that. It made more sense than magic masks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was really cool. Um I also think it's interesting that apparently Shocker knows about the Rider Girls and knows that they're connected to Common Rider because when he kidnaps them, he says, "Now Common Rider will come and find you and, you know, I will kill him or something along that line." So the, so like there are he not only do they know his secret identity they also know all the people that work with him they probably know where he lives and where they live so uh, travis we're on uh, this is what episode 11 we're 20 episodes into the show i th at this point i think we firmly established that shocker is not very good at its job <laughs> True, true. Although, <laughs> although the plan to take uh, the Ryder girls and Tachibana and use them to lure Common Rider into a trap was a decent plan. It was a decent plan. But since you're bringing it up, we need to talk about this trap. <laughs> yeah. Is this was in the running for my WTH award because I thought. What are you doing? They are basically, for lack of a better way to put it, crucifying Tachibana and the Ryder girls on electrified crosses. Yeah. Apparently, some, apparently somebody at Toei thought that they had to one-up Supro because Supro, especially at, the, at this time, had this weird obsession with crucifixions in Ultraman. <laughs> yeah uh it's it's really weird and they show back up in the next episode too yes they do which just makes it even stranger but in this one they're electrified and even though they flip a switch and they're supposed to be electrified electrocuting everybody which just makes kr2 angry and he bends the bars goes in there and starts kicking the snot out of people and i'm also sitting here things like you guys didn't expect that he would just bend the bars okay and then he turns off the power and then frees everybody and they all just run away like nothing really happened. And I'm just like, well, they're none the worse for wear after being electrocuted. <laughs> uh, well, I also have a theory that Common Rider couldn't bend those bars until he was had the motivation because of his friends in danger. Because we have seen him in jail cells that he hasn't bent the bars and gotten out of. So I wonder if it was like a Spider-Man moment where it's like, Oh, my friends need me. I need to summon up the strength to do it. They didn't. That's not what played out in the show, but just that's my head cannon. And I'm going to live with that. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's an adrenaline rush. You went yeah. into rage mode. <laughs> <laughs> I also do really like the attack that this, Dakuganda has <laughs> which is the cuz cuz in the in the episode title he's called the fire breathing but he doesn't actually breathe fire he spits web 
And then the web explodes wherever it lands. Yeah. So uh, obviously everyone at Toei saw Godzilla versus Mothra or Mothra versus Godzilla, if you will. And they're like, hey, it's a caterpillar. It spins webs. (laughs) But we'll make this explode. Yeah, I actually liked it. Uh, And and I'm going to talk about it a little bit later on in uh, the episode. But yeah, I think that I thought it was kind of interesting, but I do just find it really weird that it's called fire breathing caterpillar monster because we have seen monsters that breathe fire. This doesn't breathe fire. He just breathes exploding webs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if the webbing you know could combust when exposed to air right that would make some sort of sense but yeah it's i guess it it's a bit i guess fire breathing sounds better than explosion spitting i don't know (laughs) (laughs) the the explosive spitting caterpillar monster dokoganda (laughs) yeah which when you say explosive spitting, I'm like, what is he like puke grenades like Megalon or something? <laughs> that would have been cool. <laughs> and Toei could have said, hey, we did it first. 71. The Megalon was 73. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the fight choreography I have noticed uh, in this episode, it's actually starting to improve over the first few episodes uh, and, and I mean, I mean, as far as like the first few episodes when Hayato came in, you know, because, yeah, because we, we had a we had a really good, uh, you know, everything, basically everything that that was in those first 13 episodes is almost like a totally different show. As soon as Hayato came in as the common writer, every, it, you know, it, it changed and it's almost like a completely different show. And yeah, mm-hmm. we, we talked about how when he first took over as the second common writer, it kind of took a downturn and things got a little worse and it was kind of a bumpy start. But yeah, things seem to be improving. The choreography is improving. The fight scenes are improving. I, I think I personally think that the 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 schemes that Shocker has is coming up with are more creative and interesting and uh, are a little bit better than what we got back when uh, Fujioka was playing Common Rider, uh, which you know was what uh, Shocker wanted to rob the gold <laughs> reserves, and that was it. You know, yeah, it's like, they also wanted to make kaijin that were powered by the blood of virgins and puppies. So, <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh so things are things have taken a turn and they're not they're not as uh not as creepy as they were which is a little sad because that's one of the things i love about common writers when they do kind of lean into the creep factor uh but yeah i also understand it's becoming more mainstream at this point in time uh with these episodes yeah. and they're wanting to appeal to more people and and so they have to turn down the creep factor that's fine We'll get we'll get it back in future series. Oh sure, yes, yes, yes. I've uh, I've looked at some of the other ones that are coming up, and uh, who? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Who? Anyway, but speaking of the writer girls, I have to confess, I felt a little bit sorry for them in this episode because the episode starts with Tachibana and Hayato picking on them and calling them ugly for lack of a better way to put it like oh come on don't take away the one thing they got going for them (laughs) yeah their their personality is we are the pretty ones so (laughs) don't take that away (laughs) yeah 
one of them is a black belt who's scared of caterpillars. I'm like, caterpillars? Caterpillars. <laughs> that was hey, caterpillars you? Okay. I don't under I don't understand. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm from Indiana. We have a lot of caterpillars, and as we call them woolly worms around, and they are completely harmless. What gets me is that you would think in a different show that that would pay off in some way. Like she would learn to face her fears and, and not be scared of caterpillars by facing off against, uh, against Dakugander, but it doesn't. She like, it's never addressed for the rest of the, the show. Like they get kidnapped by the Babadook and, uh, and that's it. (laughs) That's the end of it. In a scene that shows they clearly have never seen a horror movie because you don't go to a cabin in the middle of the woods by yourselves. <laughs> well, okay. Also, the creepy Babadook guy tells them that, oh, you know, Tobe Tachibana is waiting for you. And it's like, wait, how do you know? And it's like, it's they don't question so- this creepy guy wearing a really nice suit and a a tuxedo and a top hat in the middle of the woods. They don't question this at all. And they just go where he tells them to go. Yeah. yeah, Well, this is about what 30 years before slender man. (laughs) So I'm telling you, he's the Babadook. He's the, (laughs) but you know, what's also kind of weird in this one. We have the shocker goons having a rare instance of competence. And then later in the episode, they get beat up by a bunch of girls. I'm not, I don't mean that to be sexist, but okay. One of them is said to be a black belt. The rest of them are just regular people and they are embarrassing these guys. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But I do like that. Okay. We, cause we got it back in the wrestling episode too. I like that at least the girls are doing stuff now instead of just being there for really no other reason than just to be pretty. Uh, Pretty. They are actually, yeah, (laughs) they're actually doing stuff. You know, they're actually fighting and getting into involved in it. And even though it is kind of silly that these supposedly cyborgs are getting beat up by these regular girls who are basically just slapping them and that's it uh at least they're doing something (laughs) yeah i'll give them that they are at least doing something but i'm just going to add this to my list of reasons why shocker doesn't rule the world (laughs) right (laughs) yeah again Uh, bad at job (laughs) yeah definitely bad at their job um uh, do you have anything else that you want to cover before we move on to the next episode uh um now i'm gonna save that for the awards but a related thing to something that goes with my awards we'll talk about it more in the next episode but by the end of this dakugander mothdar whatever you want to call him cocoons himself and it never occurs to KR2 slash Hayato because he sees the dang thing twice before the end of the episode floating in a river never occurs to him to just destroy that thing. Right. I'm like, it's right there. Why don't you destroy this thing? And then I remembered, oh, wait, because if he didn't, we wouldn't have another episode. Right. Exactly plot convenience but yeah no it, that's another thing i think is interesting about the this episode is while 
Kamen Rider does defeat the main monster. He doesn't destroy him or really actually defeat him. Uh, because, yeah, uh, Dakugander kind of gets away. He, he escapes. Um, and that's, that's, that's interesting. You don't get that a lot in these, these uh, episodes that we've had so far up to now. Yeah, yeah. And the only other thing that I'll bring up for this episode is this was the episode I realized that the show has changed up its naming conventions, I've noticed. First 13 episodes, uh, the, the naming convention was always something man slash woman. Now we're not doing that anymore. Right, yeah. Okay. Co- Cobra Man, Scorpion Man, Spider-Man, Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, B-Woman. Yeah, B-Woman. So... Yeah, and, and we haven't had that uh, for a few episodes. It's it's actually, yeah, we've had Coctagron and Dakugander and all these ones like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was uh, what was the wrestling lizard, our favorite one so far? There was a... Uh, oh, I can't even remember. Pyrosaurus? Uh, Pyrosaurus. Pyrosaurus, yeah. yeah. So we're getting a little more creative with the names. Yeah. Uh, and on that note, are you ready to move on to the next episode? Yes, sir. Transition. Dokugander, battle at Osaka Castle. Dokugander, Osaka Joe no Taiketsu. Impersonating the biologist Professor Koizumi, the mature Dokugander seeks the medicine invented by assistant professor Yoshioka by any means necessary. Nathan. Yes. Make my monster grow. <laughs> this isn't even my final form. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's kind of the plot of this uh, episode is that the, the professor that or assistant professor that we saw in the last one that we didn't even talk about in the last when we were talking about it, uh, who was just kind of the side character, he becomes the main focus of this episode because he is kidnapped by the new and improved Dakugander and is <laughs> trying to he's tr- because he invented a growth formula that could help for cocoons for specifically for cocoons. This seems weirdly specific. I'm just saying. Yes, very specific. When I was watching this, I was was thinking to myself, what would be the practical applications for something like this? And I thought, well, okay, maybe if they could use it so they could more quickly breed endangered species of moths or something like that. And then I realized I'm overthinking. This is Common Rider 1971. I shouldn't be thinking this hard about it. Okay. (laughs) Not to... Put the show down. I'm just saying. I was thinking too hard about it. I might be thinking too hard on it too, but I will say that around this time period, maybe a little bit earlier, maybe a little bit later, I don't really remember. I just know that at some point in time, the textile industry in Japan kind of moved overseas. Uh, now, uh, Japan doesn't produce a lot of, uh, its own textiles. They import a lot of their silks. Uh, so Mm -hmm. this could be a way of, I mean, you know, like the, why the scientists would invent something that helped grow cocoons. Well, 
silkworms. Yes. To help bolster the silk industry. I mean, you know, there, there, there is an application for it. Yes. But it is still oddly specific. They just never brought it up. They're just, they just, he just said, I invented this thing. And now Shocker wants it because they want to grow, apparently, a, at least a team, if not a small legion of Mothdars. Which I think it's because they don't, they don't actually show the baby Mothdars that are inside the cocoons, but they have a diagram of them behind them as, as Mothdar, the, the Dakugandar is uh, telling the scientist his big plan. And all I'm thinking is this actually could have been extremely horrifying to have these like little baby moth monsters hatching out of these cocoons. It would have been almost like, it's a, almost like a alien or aliens. You know, you have all these oh, cocoons just hatching and all these things coming out. Like it would have been horrifying and it would have been nice because it would have been brought the series back to its horror roots. But uh, we don't get that. <laughs> we don't, we don't get that. No, no, we don't. Instead, weirdly enough, we have the captured professor foiling the plan for our heroes by the end of it. We're, you know, we'll skip ahead a little bit. Because instead of giving them a formula that grows the cocoons, he invents one that dissolves them. So he fixes the problem for our heroes. <laughs> yep, yep. And, I mean, since those cocoons were just made out of cotton candy, uh, it was kind of easy to dissolve them. <laughs> White cotton candy. Yeah. Well, we need to talk about the cocoons because, again... Our heroes are just conveniently where they need to be to meet the bad guys because at the like I said at the end of the last episode, the Doku Gondor cocoon just floated down a river and now it's rolling around like a killer tomato <laughs> around <laughs> hill. Then it looks like this big white fuzzy peanut that I'm thinking, hmm, someone really likes Mothra. I'm just saying, yeah. someone really likes Mothra because that looks so similar that I'm surprised Toho didn't sue, but there's probably a lot of things they could trademark, but trademarking the look of that cocoon was probably not one of them. So they're just like, yeah, we're going to do it. And then he hatches out of the fuzzy peanut and picks a fight with Hayato on the middle of a highway. Because again, convenient. No, now this is one of those times where I will defend the writing of this show. I won't always do it, but this is one of the times where I will defend the writing because they actually do explain why the fuzzy oh. peanut shows up there right as Hayato is driving down. Because Hayato and Tachibana and Taki have heard that the scientist that they interacted with in the last episode is, uh, well, it wasn't that he was kidnapped because he had not been kidnapped yet, but they had heard that he was, uh, what was it? It was something, it was something that had happened. And so they realized that shocker must be involved. And so Hayato is on his way to Osaka and they intercept him when he finally, when he chases away Mothdar and the shocker goons and he gets to the lab, that's when they find out, oh, the scientist was kidnapped and they even say it. He says it to Taki that it was a distraction to keep us away from here. Oh, see, I must have missed that when I was looking at my computer, typing out notes. 
My apologies. Yeah. I so, stand corrected. Shocker was again, we have this this uh this shape shifting shocker technology that we've never seen before because because one of the shocker uh the goons is disguised as the scientist who disappeared in the last episode and he's there with his assistant and he's trying to convince him to come with him to help work on the secret project quote unquote and so yeah yeah uh, and and his and his explanation for it is basically the reports of my death were greatly exaggerated. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, and, and so he takes the, the, the scientist, the, the assistant scientist away and then Taki and Hayato show up and they're like, Oh, if we had been here earlier, we could have stopped them from kidnapping him. But it shocker's mm. plan was to distract him to distract Hayato long enough so they could kidnap that scientist. And they, they, it says that they actually spell that out because the knife that they leave behind to tell, uh, Hayato that shocker was involved actually has a radio in it and it starts speaking to him and they say, yes, this was ah. our plan all along. There is nothing that, that shocker can't do. <laughs> oh, oh, we had a brilliant plan and then we undermined it ourselves. <laughs> So, so it, it is. It is another one of those examples of what I've been saying that Shocker's plans seem to be getting better. There's a little bit more thought put into them than previous ones, and I like that. I like that there's there like, of course, they're they're still villains in a kids show from the '70s. Yes, they're going to be silly and goofy, and yes, they're not going to make sense all the time, and they're always going to be foiled by the good guys, but the the they're becoming more interesting and almost like you kind of see where oh this could work if they had a little bit more competency or if common rider wasn't there this could totally work it doesn't yes. but it could <laughs> yeah okay do we want to talk about mothdar and his new and improved model or do we want to keep talking about the shape-shifting technology because that shape-shifting technology brings in a heck of a lot of weirdness <laughs> uh yeah uh the <laughs> whoa, whoa. i, w- I want to get into the shape-shifting stuff later because uh i have a i have a thought later on about it uh let's talk about mothdar's new look and also his new weapons yes okay so i'm just gonna say this Guy looks like Mothra Leo. (laughs) If any of you here listen, if any of you here listen to the Monster Island Film Vault, there's a character on there who is. The gist of it is that she is a moth-themed magical girl superheroine inspired by Mothra, and that's what I thought of when I saw this. Like, Crystal Lady would love (laughs) this guy. Yeah, he kind of almost looks like Fairy Mothra a little bit, uh, which is also from the Mothra trilogy. (laughs) Yeah, the weird thing is that I actually found this version to be less gaudy than the Caterpillar version. I don't know why. I actually really like this design. I think he looks kind of, I think he looks cool. Of course, he does look like a fuzzy moth, but I like him. Uh, 
the only thing I don't like is they took away because he's no longer a caterpillar. So they took away his his uh, web spitting and gave him finger missiles. Uh, I called it bullet hands. Yeah. And the bullet hands can model Jeeps. I <laughs> I don't like that uh, power as much as I liked the spitting. I liked the spitting power more. I kind of wish they would have kept that transitioned over into his uh final form yeah that would have been kind of interesting although in their defense i think i've only ever seen one version of mothra that retained the web spinning ability in her adult form and that was the monster verse mothra for some reason let's talk a little bit about shocker's plan to kidnap the scientist's daughter to force him into working for them again not a bad plan if you're trying to force the scientist into doing work for you, I find it funny because, because uh, Hayato has sent the writer girls or at least two of the writer girls. I don't know their names. They're all kind of interchangeable to me. So I'm sorry. So they, so Hayato asks them to go and keep an eye on the daughter and they're there watching the girl and they see a woman walk up. Oh, but it's just a woman. Because a woman couldn't possibly work for Shocker. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, just completely ignore the women we have seen working for Shocker. Exactly. (laughs) A couple of their scientists, B-Woman. Yeah, the one from the wrestling episode just a few episodes ago. Yeah, okay. Shocker's guilty of a lot of things, but I'm not sure sexism is one of them. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> but there you go. I'll say, there you go, Shocker. I said one nice thing about you. Don't expect any more. <laughs> <laughs> but ultimately, it doesn't matter because once the woman who actually turns out to be a just a Shocker goon in disguise anyway... <laughs> The frick. Okay. <laughs> this is what I mean. There's a lot of weird, potentially awkward things in this episode. And that is one of them. We have a gender bending shocker goon. I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> <laughs> but not only do we have a gender bending shocker goon, but we have the common Kenny who returns and is dressed up like the daughter as bait for Shocker. (laughs) The professor's daughter is a a little feminist waiting to happen because she says at several points, I hate boys. I'm like, oh, good Lord. (laughs) (laughs) But, well, I'm she's a little girl, but I actually, I have to say, as much as we, we you know, we, we rag on him for calling him Common Kenny and everything, Goro is slowly becoming one of my favorite characters in this series. Explain. I think, one, he is smarter than almost all the adults, which is really just fascinating. He actually... Very Kenny-ish. Yeah, but not in the like annoying way by dumbing down the adults. Like we talked about it back in the wrestling episode where he legitimately seems smart. Like as a as a kid he mm-hmm. seems smart. 
they didn't dumb down the adults to make him seem smart. He just is as smart or smarter than the adults are. And I think that's Mm -hmm. really cool. He has this really cheeky uh, attitude, which I kind of like, because he is just a, a bundle of, sass uh, <laughs> and and he does a lot in helping the writer team and i just he, like he is slowly becoming one of my favorite characters and i didn't think that a kid character from a 70s tokusatsu property would interest me or or you know be good at all and and goro is i think he's really good yeah although speaking of sass and feminism what did you think of that really bizarre line from Hayato when the, I think it was the black belt writer girl wants to karate chop the, the gender bender goon because they capture him and they want to interrogate him. Apparently forgetting that they've already established that those things are programmed never to talk, but she wants to karate chop him and his response is enough with the feminism. And I'm like, where did that come from? That makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh- yeah, there's a few little weird stuff in this uh, in this, in this episode, but uh, but yeah. <laughs> I okay. speaking of people in disguises, we also get two of our favorite things that pop up a lot in in these episodes. It <laughs> seems we get Tachibana in a disguise for no reason at all. <laughs> We're getting back to Tachibana being cool again. Just just for no reason disguised as a as an old photographer outside of Osaka Castle, uh, which I mean, that's fine. I like Tachibana. And yeah, he is getting back to being cool again. Uh, we yeah, also being an entire class of school kids who all look to be dead inside. Because <laughs> they, <laughs> they don't smile. <laughs> What did they do to you, children? <laughs> yeah, they really do not look happy. Um, we also get Taki going undercover as a shocker goon. And I was just yeah, thinking, well, does he just have a shocker goon costume just lying around to use at any point now? <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't you? They never change their costumes anymore. Like they used to, they used to specialize like d- depending on who who the the shocker general was that uh, at that episode they would design the costumes a little bit differently but now they're just the same each episode so why not <laughs> yeah. why not just keep I mean, one around? That. does he have a red one in case he needs to be one of the higher ranking goons I know. now okay. too or? so while watching this this unfold of taki going undercover i was like uh hopefully it works better this time and then immediately <laughs> i was like nope it didn't <laughs> he keeps doing the same plan and it's not quite working out for him yeah <laughs> but it's not also in the scene with the this guy's tachibana actually i had one of my favorite shots of these two episodes which is when he's trying to take a picture of the two writer girls and then Mothdar appears right behind them in the viewfinder, but it's upside down. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then later on, we get to see Taichibana actually kicking some butt on a bridge and he'll go toe to toe with a bunch of shocker goons and throwing them off the bridge and stuff like that. It's like, see, this is the Tachibana that I know and love. Thank you. Show. <laughs> 
Yes, I that I, again we're getting Tachibana is is, is becoming cool again because they really butchered his character for for a few episodes, but we're finally getting back to the Tachibana that we uh, come to know and love from those first thirteen episodes. And yeah, I'm just glad that he's getting involved in things, and he goes with Common Rider into the Shocker base to help rescue Taki. And okay. Okay. I need to bring up because they uh, they do the Morse code like in Star Trek Five they do the Morse code thing. Yeah, that actually even more like Star Trek Five than I thought. Even except Common Rider KR two doesn't give it nearly as much of a warning because at least in Star Trek Five Scotty did Morse code and he said stand back and then blew a hole in the brig and so they could escape. No, he just. He does a Morse code say, we're going to break you out soon or something like that. And then he just does his, oh, yeah, Kool-Aid man move again through the wall. (laughs) So I guess soon he meant now. Right. It's like soon he meant right now. And I guess it's a good thing that Taki wasn't standing in front of that wall. (laughs) I was just like, okay. Because I was fooled. I I was like, oh, he's going to break him out soon. Meaning we're going to come back for you a little bit later. And that, nope. (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> we have very different definitions of soon <laughs> right very very different definitions it's like i'll rescue you soon boom <laughs> <laughs> well, by soon i may now <laughs> um i i this these scenes don't follow each other like but they do have the same energy so the same energy that the common rider put into breaking through that wall and rescuing taki Later on, when he actually does defeat Mothdar, and he does it by... Because Mothdar can fly, so he jumps as high <laughs> as he can into the air, rider and, uh, kicks... Uh, a fly in the form of a somewhat awkward miniature. <laughs> yeah, on a string, just kind of dangling above a little miniature city. But rider jumps up into the air, rider kicks him, and then Mothar lands into a building, like crashes into a building and explodes. Okay, that's one thing. We expect the monsters to explode when they get rider kicked. That's been established that that can happen. It blows up three buildings. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently it got an upgrade. We've had a couple of Kaijin that were it could just brush off the rider kick like it was nothing. And now we're back to it blows the monster up. And it blows it up even gooder. And yes, they were miniature buildings. They were supposed to be real buildings and all i'm thinking is hopefully they evacuated the people out of those buildings before that happened because man it just blew up like half a city block basically what was in mothdar that would do that (laughs) (laughs) instead of mothra's poison powder does it you know does he have gunpowder in those wings or something (laughs) oh man (laughs) <laughs> and this is right after he had the start of the fight is KR2 and Mothdar having a pose off. That was his yeah. pose, posing, 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 punch. I mean, <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's what you do in a tokusatsu show. <laughs> oh, man. So and, and then so I, I have to say I, I have to bring this up. The, the episode, once everything's over with and the episode's done, you have the writer girls and Tachibana and the scientist and his daughter all flying 
back to Tokyo where they live because they're in Osaka. And then you have the scientist who asks where Taki and Hayato is because they're not there. And, and Tachibana makes a, a you know, kind of a little joke of, Oh, I guess they don't, uh, they don't trust something made of steel to fly them home or whatever. And so they're, it's, you know, motorcycles are more their speed. And then you get this shot of Taki and Hayato riding on a motorcycle together, heading back uh-huh. towards Tokyo, oh, cool. smiling. And all I'm thinking is I ship it. I ship it. Oh. I ship oh. Taki and Hayato. I ship it. From now on, uh, we need to come uh, up with we need to come up with a a ship name for the two of them because I didn't uh, get it until Takiyato. Takiyato. Oh, that sounds like some sort of Mexican food. It does. <laughs> it does. Ayataki. Uh, uh, Ayataki. That sounds like Haikiba from from MST3K. <laughs> you cannot tell me that that final shot of Taki and Hayato riding off into the sunset together on the motorcycle did not give you romantic comedy vibes. It didn't? You are a liar. You are a liar and a fraud. I, I do not lie. I'm just not as weird as you are. I- all right speaking of weird let's get into the awards yes all right so henshin kick the our award for the best fight scene or stunt in these two episodes i have since we were talking about shipping these two my nominee is kr2 and taki batman and robining at the end of the of uh, episode 21 because that was cool seeing them running around. Because, like I've been saying for the last few episodes, Taki is his sidekick. <laughs> He's the Robin to KR2's Batman, and this was a perfect illustration of it. Uh, well, hold on, hold on, Taki Senpai, you are more than a sidekick to me. <laughs> God, oh God! <laughs> uh, what's your nominee? Yeah, mine is the fight scene at the waterfall when Kamen Rider and Dokugander uh, are fighting for the first time on the waterfall. Not the not the final fight, but the the first fight that they have by the waterfall, uh, because it really is just a pretty shot. Like it really is just it's it's the two of them. The like I said earlier, the fight choreography is getting better, and so you have this really great fight choreography going on with the waterfall in the background and the beautiful like green luscious mountains and you know behind it and it's just like it was just a beautifully shot fight scene and so i just wanted to put it in here they've been doing some really nice location filming the last few episodes and i like it and now for talking toku the best special effect for me i picked the it, this was more in at the end of episode 21 we've cracked a few jokes about it already but the integration of miniatures and suitmation effects they kind of they edited them together and i think i like it more for the ambition of it than the actual execution because the execution wasn't as polished as it could have been and then i just remind myself this is a television show it's not a movie so it's not going to be as polished especially at this point in time but i like the ambition of it yeah 
yeah, it's it's really cool to see that they're you know pushing the boundaries of what they can do on the show. That's what we we talked about with the first 13 episodes that they every episode they seem to try something different and then they kind of stalled out for a little while there and now it looks like we're getting back to that let's try something different in each episode mm-hmm. 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 i like the experimentation yeah uh, my uh, award for best special effect was the exploding spit i thought that was a really great effect i liked that you had yeah, I liked I liked it in the context of the show, but also for a, a behind the scenes thing to have, you know, those flash explosives so close to your actor so that when they because they those flash explosives, they go off right next to common Rider. And so to have them that close to your stunt actor or your actor uh is is risky and dangerous but also you know it pays off when it works well Mm -hmm, for sure and now coming at you the best line of these two episodes and i will confess my nominee for this week is more ironic than usual and that is there's a point where one of the writer girls talking to disguised tachibana says because this guy's Tachibana brings up Shocker and she says, sir, do you know about Shocker? And my note for that was, how could he not? They're the least secret secret society ever. And clearly marked bases and all kinds of things. So of course he knows about Shocker. Doesn't everybody? yeah yeah that's funny uh my favorite line from these episodes is uh the one where where uh mothdar when he breaks free from the cocoon and he says i have returned to life and this time i'll kill you I kind of like the reversal there, you know, <laughs> I have come back to life and now you will die. I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You killed me once. <laughs> now I will kill you. <laughs> Is he Inigo Montoya now, except he's avenging himself. <laughs> my, name, uh, my name is Inigo Mothra. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it'd be a, my name is Poison Mothdar. You killed me once. Prepare to die. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And that would be a great way to segue into WTH. What the henchin? And let me tell you, I had several potential candidates, but I ended up going with something that we've been hinting at and talking around, but we haven't actually talked about this itself. And that is Mothdar, Dokugander, whatever you want to call him, at the end of episode 20 gets kicked off of the waterfall and falls down the waterfall and in the what two seconds that he is falling down the waterfall he cocoons himself what (laughs) (laughs) i was like hold on a second you only you have the power of jump cuts what the huh (laughs) mothra do it that fast Nothing could do it that fast. What? <laughs> it was just like, it's like his airbag. Like he, 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 there was an impact and he just, poof, just puffed into a big puffy peanut. 
Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like uh like an instantly inflating raft. You know, you just, like you hit a button, it goes. <laughs> okay, yeah. what was yours? Uh, I struggled with this one because uh, not because there wasn't enough moments, but there was too many moments, and I was struggling to decide which one I wanted to go with. But there's one that I'm going to attribute to Scooby Doo logic. But it is kind of a what the henchin, and that is the shape shifting technology that Shocker seems to have now, where the monsters or their goons can disguise themselves as people. And specifically, the scientists that disappeared in the last one, because we're led to believe that that's actually Mothdar disguised as that scientist, but something like that. But Mothdar was still in the cocoon at that time. So who was disguised as the scientist? I don't understand what's happening here. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, maybe next week you can no prize that. How about that? Keep thinking <laughs> about it. I mean, well, we can see that, that regular shocker goons can also shapeshift into people so it's so i can i can kind of no prize it now but it's just like you they do show later like that scientist transforms into mothdar and it just immediately was like wait a minute but mothdar was in the cocoon when he appeared earlier so how was he how was he in the cocoon and also the guy wait what <sighs> you overthink that and you know, we'll move on <laughs> All right, and with that, Travis, it's time for our minute to henshin it. Yeah, this is the segment of the podcast where we, in just a minute or less, sum up all of our thoughts and all of our feelings on these episodes that we just covered. Yes, sir. And I'll go ahead and go first because I'm struggling to put thoughts into words and make sense of them. So let me struggle my way through this and then we'll, we'll finish off with yours more coherent uh, words. <laughs> Good idea. All right. On your mark, get set, go. All right. Yeah. I, these episodes are a much needed improvement over the first ones that we've got. I mean, they've, they've been slowly improving, but I think these two episodes are probably my favorite ones that we've gotten so far since Hayato took over as common writer. Uh, you get interesting locations. You get a competent monster. He actually knew what he was doing and actually had a decent plan. You get enough things for the side characters to do that makes them interesting and keeps them involved and you get some really awesome fight choreography this really is just taking it back to the things that we loved from the first 13 episodes wow you are really good at getting to this in about 45 seconds i can tell you you're gonna have so much time banked up you may as well do an hour to henshin it episode i'll just sit out listen for that one summarize all is it 98 episodes <laughs> for us <laughs> yeah we haven't even made it to the halfway point yet oh don't worry we'll be fine we'll be <laughs> fine anyway my turn on my mark get set go henshin all right so much like you were saying travis this is showing some marked improvements i'm getting 
I'm settling into, I should say, the new status quo. I'm starting to appreciate the characters. The writer girls are still mostly eye candy, but at least they're pretty. I'll give them that, even though Tachibana and Hayato tried to take that away from them because they're jerks. <laughs> but I, I really enjoyed our Kaijin of the week, and I'm looking forward to seeing more because... I've looked ahead a little bit. I looked ahead a little bit at the episode listings and descriptions, and I know, even though I'm starting to get settled in with things, things are going to get shaken up at least a couple of times in our future episodes. And I managed to do that with eight seconds to go. Booyah. Well, that's going to do it for this week. So we just want to say thank you for listening to The Henshin Men, a tokusatsu appreciation podcast. You can find links to all of our social media in the description of this episode. You can listen to more of me on the Kaiju Weekly podcast and listen to more of Nathan on the Monster Island Film Vault. If you found some enjoyment from this podcast, consider giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. And until next time, what are we going to say, Nathan? When you talk about Shocker or listen to our podcast, make sure you put on your Henshin foil hat. <laughs>